morning, I'm grateful to be able to spend some time. And I know it's not ideal when you have, you know, when you see stuff on the screen and or you're listening to, to different things, you have to sing with a mask on. It's just not ideal. But, uh, you know, he deserves our, our praise always and at all times and all seasons uh, and glad this morning to be able to do that with you. Um, we are working to have our band come back into the room, and so that will be happening, you know, hopefully soon. But, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter. We don't, we don't really need music. We don't really need instruments. We don't really need somebody leading us. We just simply that have that heart uh, of worship and spending that time connecting with him. And so last week we began talking about it with the topic of, I think we need a bigger box. And I don't know if you were watching online or for those who were here, we just, we talked about the, the fact that sometimes we box the greatness of God into our little comfort zone and we miss so much as a result. Uh, I guess that's my question for you. Did you have some time this week just to consider the greatness of God? Did you stop and think and be like, oh man, did you, did you stop long enough to take a look at the stars or did you watch the changing of the, the fall colors and be like, wow, you know, there is something, I've seen it, you know, I've seen it 42 times in my lifetime and yet there's something still brilliant about it and incredible about it. You know, last week, if you weren't, if you weren't here, and just a quick reminder, we talked about the fact that, you know, based on what Louis Giglio shared a number of years ago, that, it, that if earth was the size of a golf ball, that if we could figure out, you know, just how vast this, this world, this, this universe is. He said, if we could just compare that earth was the size of a golf ball. Somewhere this morning, we're on there. Do you, do you see yourself? Maybe to zoom in a little. You know, somewhere we're, we're on, this, on this tiny little planet. We look around and think, oh, you know, earth's so big. But just to, to bring things to scale, you know, we... We talked about these stars that exist out there that are, that are beyond you know, the, the scope of our sun. There's one called Canis Majoris, and we'll show it here on the screen. Canis Majoris is not the, the largest star, but is one of the largest stars. And compared to our sun, they couldn't even put the pixel on our screen. It's so small. Our sun compared to Canis Majoris is uh, just, just a little blip on the radar. And we said, you know, it doesn't even work with our uh, little golf ball because, you know, our, our little earth is even smaller than that, just that, rotating around that, that sun, that star. But the thing about Canis Majoris, we said last, last uh, week, is that God breathed that star into place and, and, and named it. I don't know if he named it Canis Majoris. That's what we named it. It means like the big dog star. It, it's huge. Uh, but we said that, you know, he, he measures it in his hands. Like, he's bigger than that. And I think sometimes we, we, we don't, our minds just really can't comprehend it. it last, last week we, we said that, that seven quadrillion Earths fit inside that star. Seven quadrillion. Anybody have any idea how big of a number that is? I mean, we, I, like, we know hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands. We might know millions, but when it gets, when it gets real big, and, and Louis Giglio shared in his, his, his talk about how uh, quadrillion is a number that's it's difficult to understand, and he, he put it in this um, frame of time. Uh, how many of you know how long a million seconds ago was? Any guesses how long a million seconds ago was? A million seconds ago was the day after Thanksgiving, 12 days ago. That's a million seconds from, from right now. That's pretty far. Any idea? You know, my brother and I, we, when we were young, we, we used to share a room, and uh, I think we were like nine or ten years old. We thought, we're going to count to a million. So we would, every night, we would count in our head, you know, count one, 
to 100, and we would put these little markers on the, this piece of paper that we were counting to a million. It, was, we, it would have taken us 12 days counting just one second at a time to get to a million. Do you know what a billion is? You're like, okay, that's probably a long time ago. You're like, maybe like January? No, it was actually May of 1975. That's a billion seconds ago. I know, that would have taken more than my lifetime. How many of you were there a billion seconds ago? I wasn't. <laughs> a billion. I mean, we, we know it's, oh, it's a thousand million, but it's, it's this massive number. Do you know what a trillion seconds ago was? Maybe like, I don't know, 1800s, Christopher Columbus, you know, is probably way back there, right? Truth is, a trillion seconds ago was 29,700 B.C., that's a trillion seconds ago. Quadrillion, it starts getting just crazy. It was 33,800,000 years ago is what a quadrillion seconds ago is. And that's just one quadrillion. Seven quadrillion Earths fit in that star Canis Majoris. It is this massive, massive, massive number. And the God who created that is bigger. Do, we, do our minds even stop to realize, whoa, he is incredible, and realize just how small we are and how small life is in our, in, in, our, in our world. I don't think we do it often enough, but you know, when you think about that God who's that massive, he's worthy of praise. He's worthy of adoration. He's just worthy because of, just because of who he is, just because of who he is. He's worthy of awe. I don't know, you know, I, I don't often take enough time to just be in awe of who God is. As I was preparing for this, I was reminded of a song by Don Moen from way back in the day. Maybe you know with me, uh, it's, it's the words that say, You are beautiful beyond description. You're too marvelous for words. Too wonderful for comprehension. Like nothing ever seen or heard. You know, when I was a kid, I was actually a teenager, probably the age of these guys sitting here in the front row uh, at that time when I first heard that. And, and all I could think of was like, these are great pickup lines for youth group. You know, that was kind of my, she's too beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for us. Not really ever sitting there thinking about, wow, how powerful these things are. Because he, said, he goes on to say, who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who could even fathom the depths of your love? You're beautiful beyond description. Majesty, you're enthroned above. And he just says, and I stand I stand in awe of you. I just stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God to whom all praise is due. I stand in awe of you. Man. You know, so, so often we miss those moments. We miss those moments because we take it for granted that that God came to this golf ball planet and limited himself to fit in a body. <laughs> can, can you even imagine that? It's how Paul describes it to the Philippians. He says, man, Jesus had heaven. He had all of it. He had everything, but he didn't consider that to be something to be held on to. But instead, he came in human form, came in a human body, and he, he, he limited himself to a human body. But that body wasn't limited like ours. I mean, he could walk on water. He could stop storms with a word. You know, he could heal people just by touching them. Some he healed just by speaking the words out. You know, he, uh, he could read minds. He knew what people were thinking. Like, I would like those kind of limits. You know, if that's a limited body, but we think, man, if, if he could do that with his limitations, imagine just, we can't even imagine what he could do without them. And that is the God that we serve. 
And Jesus simply came to the planet to show us what God is really like. That massive God that we can't even wrap our minds around what he thinks about you. That he knows you, that he loves you, that he cares about you. Like that God who holds all of it in his hand, that God who's, who's bigger than all of that, man, he knows about us. That is just crazy. And you know, sometimes I wonder if it's that God who cares that much and all of that is true, why do we worry? Why does anybody have any stress? <laughs> have you thought about that? Well, because the doctor said, yeah. Well, because COVID, yeah. Have we mistaken what's really big and who's really big and what's bigger? And I think we do. I think we get so focused on our tiny boxes. They seem massive to us. And we, we, we put God in this tiny box. We talked about it last week, but it's all throughout scripture. There's a, there's a story that I want to take a look at this morning from the Old Testament. It's from the, the, the Jewish history books. Uh, it's, um, you can find it in 2 Kings if you want to go there in your Bible. But here, here's how the story sets up. There, there's this nation of Israel. And for some reason, they didn't get along with everybody around them. Everybody was vying for land. Seems like the nation of Israel still, there's still all of this conflict around this nation of Israel. But uh, this, in this story, there's the, the, the account, or it's the, 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 the king of Aram. I don't know quite how to pronounce it, but the king of Aram, he wants to attack Israel. And so he says to his guys, fellas, we're going to go attack him in the, uh, in the plains. And they're like, okay, let's do it. And they go to attack them. And, and there's, all of a sudden, there's the nation of Israel waiting for them. He's like, okay, forget that. Let's go back. We want the element of surprise. You know, so he says to the guys, okay, fellas, they, they, somehow they knew that. Let's go attack them in the, in the forest instead. And they're like, okay, let's do it. And they go to the forest and there they are in defensive mode, the Israelite army already waiting for them. And he's like, okay, let's go back. New plan, new plan. He's like, okay, fellas, sit around the table. Which one of you is telling them? Who's the snitch? And they all look around like, it's not us, oh, king. It's not us, but we, we know who it is. There's a legend going around of this guy named Elisha that he just, the gods speak to him. Like he knows. And the legend goes to the point where they're saying, hey, king, he doesn't only know what you're telling us around this table. He knows what you talk about in your bedroom. It's in scripture. I mean, it's in the Bible. You just gotta, there's cool stuff in there that you probably don't even know. But he's, he, he looks and uh, he says, what? He says, well, okay, fine then. If we're ever going to destroy Israel, we got to kill that guy first. So go find him and then let me know where he is. And that's where we pick up the story. Second Kings chapter 6. It says that they actually they found him in a town called Dothan. That's where they found Elisha. And so, so, so one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround that city. And the next morning, when the servant of, of the man of God, so not Elisha, but his servant, his servant gets up early and goes outside. There are troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Can you picture that? He gets up in the morning, he's like rubbing the croutons out of his eyes, like washing like, you know, yesterday's drool and dinner off his cheeks. He's like, looks out, he's like, where, what normally just looked normal was all of a sudden horses, chariots, troops everywhere. And I, and I like what he says, he's like, oh sir, what will we do now? Some of you would have said far worse. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> what are we going to do now? You know, he begins to wonder and he, he's like, you, you instantly see what's going on inside of him. As he sees this, he's like, man, what are we going to do now? And he goes to his master. He's like, he cries to his master. Oh, 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 sir, what will we do now? And how many of us do the same thing? You find yourself in that place. You're like, man, there's, there's more bills in the bank account. Oh, what am I going to do now? You know, you go to the doctor. It comes back. You got your report. It's not good. Oh, what am I going to do now? 
You know, you, COVID is closing out your job, and you're like, oh, what am I going to do now? Or you get, you know, whatever it may be, your, your, your children no longer speaking to you, whatever it may be, or your marriage in trouble, what am I, I going to do now? And we get focused, so focused on this thing. You know, the story goes on to say that Elisha simply says this to him. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's, he says, there's, there's more on our side than theirs. And I mean, I, I picture this because this is not just some little story that they wrote so that, you know, we can tell kids kids church stories and hopefully they behave better in life. These are like the legit accounts of things that happen when God touches the planet. And I think sometimes we forget how powerful that is. And Elisha says, says to him, he's like, hey, buddy, just calm down, calm down. You know what? We've got more on our side than they got on theirs. And I, can you just imagine the servant? He's like, oh, no, I, I knew this guy was like, had power, but he lost it. Like, we're dead. Elisha, I heard one of them say they're here because they're looking for the prophet, and you're the most prophetly looking dude in the, in the whole town. They're coming for you, and, and you're my master. We're together. If they get you, they're taking me too. He's like, Elisha, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? That's what he simply says. He says, you know what? Okay, I guess, I guess you don't get it yet. And he just simply prays, oh, Lord, would you open his eyes so he might see? God, help him see what I, I know to be true. And it says, the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. I'm like, cool, right? That is like amazing that here he sees, he's like, okay, there really is a greater army. I just didn't see it at the moment. How many of us find ourselves in the same situation? Two guys, they're in the same situation. They're both standing in the same place. They both see all the chariots. One guy is like, ah, 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 panicked and fearful and hopeless and, and worried. And one guy's standing there like, buddy, what's wrong? Like, don't you realize that our God is greater? <laughs> I know the chariots are still there, but our God is greater. I'd love for you to go home and read the rest of the story because it gets gooder after that. I'm, we're not going to go into that part today, but my question is, what do you see in life right now? What are you seeing? What's the great things that you see, the great struggles, the great, the great issues, the great things that, that, are, <laughs> that are blocking your vision or, or stealing that, that idea of God's greatness away from you? What is the big thing for you right now? Because you know what? It doesn't have to be that big for it to affect your whole life. Take a look at your hand for a minute. Just, just do that here in the room because I can see you and I can know if you're doing Just take a look at your hand. It's really not that big. But now just put it in front of your eyes for a minute. Do you realize that that little hand just blocked out a screen 10 times larger than it? Well, 100 times larger than it. It blocked up out a building that's thousands of times bigger than it. It blocks out a world that's billions of times larger than it. Now just remove it again and take a look. That little thing had that kind of power. Why? It has the power to block out what, uh, what, you, what you now realize is, is right there. You know, how many times does it happen in our lives? We have distractions. You know, for many of us, it's in our pocket all the time. You know, sometimes driving, I was like, hey, Beth, did you see that? Did you see that amazing steel roof? Uh, did you see those Highland cows? Like, I, I find weird things to be, you know, exciting. And she's like, uh, no, no, I missed it. You know, it's like on the, on the phone. How many times do we miss stuff going on around us because we're so distracted by what happens in on the, in on the phone? You know, or the, the things you're looking at, the headlines. You know, you see COVID and the doctor's report and the jobs and the economy. And maybe for you, it's what the kids at school think about you or what you know they're saying about you. And, and, and maybe it's not outside. Maybe it's inside you. Maybe for you, the distractions and the things that blind you is, is shame. It's guilt. It's your limits. It's, it's things about you that that really hinder you from seeing the greatness of God and remembering the greatness of God? 
you know, it's crazy how those things affect us. Today, if I said, hey, we're going to have a race, I don't know, we'll take Aiden versus Gordon. We'll put them both at the back. Uh, we won't do it today just for safety's sake, but if I were to say, Aiden, you start over there, Gord, you start over there, but Gord, I want you to put this piece of paper in front of your face like this, and I want you both to run to the front as fast as you can. Who's betting on Aiden? Smart money is on Aiden, right? Why? Because it's not that big. It's just a piece of paper, but it's definitely going to affect his race. And I think we have to understand that that truth is that there's some things that aren't really that big in our life, but they totally affect our race. They affect our run, our, our faith, our walk with Christ. They affect us in a, in a, in a way that they shouldn't, have the, they shouldn't be given the ability to. A couple of weeks ago, um, well, it was a couple months ago, driving truck, uh, taking a trip of live ducks down to uh, Montreal and uh, driving for a friend of mine. And, and as I was driving, it was, it was late at night, and I'm following this truck in front of me, and uh, there was this other truck beside us with uh, the double the double trailer, 253-footer. So it's a big, long truck. And, and I'm following this other one, uh, and, and all I can see is the back of this truck, and we're passing this guy, and all of a sudden the truck in front of me pulls over. And as he pulls over, all I can see in front of me is traffic cones. And from other trucking stories, you know me and traffic cones do not get along. But all I see is my lane is ending. There's construction and there's a concrete barrier beyond it. I'm like, and that that awareness, right? You wake up real quick. You're like, oh, and realize I do not have enough time to stop. And man, I just, you know, I threw on my signal light. The guy beside me realized what was happening, slammed on his brakes, slammed on his horn as well, and, and let me into safety. I'm sweating just thinking about it right now. Though That moment was, it's those things where you realize that, that reminder from trucking school, that when you're driving something like that, you're not to be focused on what's right in front of you, but focus as far down the road as you can see. Because you're going to get there. And, and what you focus on right in front of you hinders you from seeing what's actually further ahead down the road. Man, how many times do these things in our life have the ability to block us from seeing what's coming up down the road? And even more powerful, how, how often do these things block us from who we need to be seeing? You know, the New Testament, Mark, uh, is probably my favorite. He is my favorite author in the Bible. He's probably the best one, actually, of all of the authors in Scripture. But Mark, um, with a K, uh, he, uh, he wrote about the accounts of Jesus and um, he writes and says, there's this account where Jesus comes home. It's in Mark chapter 6. You can read it later. But Jesus comes home from um, doing miracles all over the, 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 the little towns around his hometown. And he comes home for a little bit. As he gets home, he's about to do some miracles and stuff at home. And, and all of a sudden it says, the people there look at him and go, hey, Jesus, he came back home. And he's trying to do all this like, cool stuff. He's trying to do all this powerful stuff. Like, we know you. Oh, you think you're the son of God? We know your dad. His name's Joseph. We know your mom. We know your brothers and sisters. Like, why are you coming home here thinking you're a big shot? We know you. And you know, it just simply says that the God that we just talked about, the God of all creation, of all power, of all authority, who is in this body of Jesus, who could do anything, it says he couldn't do any mighty miracles there. Why? Because of their unbelief. It was like their little box of Jesus. No, we know who you are. You're the little kid from down the street we played stickball with. You know, you're that, you're that Jesus. And, that, and that, that ends up right in front of their eyes. They can't see the God of all creation in that body, that most amazing, miraculous thing. All they can see is this. And what do they miss out on? What do they miss out on? How many of us do, do the same thing? As I was reading the 
letters that Paul wrote to the churches. I was just reading about the prayers of Paul. And he prays for, he prays similar to what Elisha prayed. Elisha's like, oh Lord, let them open their eyes that they might see beyond what's right in front of their eyes. Paul prayed the same thing. He says in Ephesians 1, he's like, I pray that you're going to grow in your knowledge of God. And I pray that for us too, that we would truly know this God whom we serve. He says, I pray that you'll understand the confident hope that he's given you because there's a lot of hopelessness around, but he gives true hope. And then finally, he says this in Ephesians 1.19, I pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe or for us who trust in him. He says, I pray that you would understand, that you would see, that you would see with your mind, that you would understand the incredible greatness. You know, incredible greatness is this, uh, this word meaning like um, uh, extreme or it's basically the idea of throwing farther than. So if, if, if uh, you know, if you can, parent, if you can throw a football, if I can throw it farther than you, that's exceeding greatness. That idea of whatever you can do, I can do better. So think of the greatest powers in the world. Think of the strongest man. Think of like massive, the strongest person you know, and it's not your dad. You know, it's probably a guy like this guy. A guy like this guy. A strong man like this guy. There, this guy. That's my dad, you know? So, but a guy this strong, you know, he's saying like, yeah, think of the most strength you can think of and now just think a little further beyond that. Well, that's beyond my, that's beyond strength. He said, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He says, think about, you know, the greatest political power. You know, the, the one who has the most political authority right now. Just think a little bit beyond that authority. You know, the greatest power that you see in nature, wa- a waterfall with a massive amount of power. Think beyond that amount of power because he could just stop it with a word. He's like, think about that greatness. He's like, My, I pray that your eyes would be open, that you could see the incredible power and the incredible greatness of his power. That's what, that's what Paul was praying for the Ephesians, and I believe for us as well, that, man, that we would see. Because I think too often we see this. We see this. And if I can toss that box a little further, man, do we miss out on his incredible greatness? And I think so often we do. I, I think, you know, and just finishing off this t- talk this morning, I think that we're so often tempted to think this way, that, oh God, if I could see your greatness and just trust that you really do hold the stars and you're bigger than everything, that, <laughs> that you'll just toss my problem to the side. And we think, you know, if the problem's still around, then, you know, I guess that, you know, he, God can't be as great as, as uh, these things say. But you know what? Paul didn't think that way. Jesus didn't think that way. The New Testament writers didn't think that way. It's not what they said. Uh, Elisha didn't think that way either. He wasn't like, hey, open his eyes. He opened his eyes. Guess what didn't happen? The army didn't disappear. He just saw there was something greater. And so often we pray, oh God, open our eyes. We think the problem's going to disappear. But it's not necessarily the case. It's not necessarily the case. It would be that we would have a faith that endures no matter what problems surround us. That we would see bigger no matter what the other big stuff is around us. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, which was the Hebrews 11 crew, if you want to read about people with amazing, amazing trust in God, he's like, man, since, since those people have gone before us, let each and every one of us, we're running the race right now, let's strip off the weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let's run with with endurance. That's the idea. Let's run this race with endurance. That no matter what other things are around us, what other boxes we're carrying, that we're running with endurance the race that he has set before us. He says, how do you do that? Well, we do that by keeping our eyes on Jesus and not on, the, not on all the other big boxes we put in our way. We just keep our eyes on Jesus no matter what that box is. Well, you know, it's like, it's guilt and shame that want to come in front of my face so that I just keep looking at, no, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. 
oh, it's that word cancer that like the doctors mentioned. I'm like, oh man, this thing feels so, so huge. Like, no, you know what? I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. You know, I'm going to lose my job and it's just not enough money in the bank. You know what? No, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. He says, that's how we do it because that's what he did. It says, you know, for the joy that was set before him, the joy that he could see ahead of him, he endured the cross. He disregarded the shame and he's seated right now in the place of honor beside God's throne. Last thought, I want to close with a story this morning, a story that, uh, of faith that endures that I find inspiring because we can read in Hebrews 11 and see the stories of faith. It's amazing heroes of faith. And then every once in a while, we get to see them in, in real life here and now. Not that they're not happening, but we're just not always made aware of them. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, I'd, I'd love for you to watch the movie, I Still Believe. It's the story of Jeremy Camp. It came out this year, Jeremy Camp and his wife. Uh, her name's Melissa. Uh, and even, you know, to know the story doesn't spoil the movie, but it's a bit of a, a spoiler alert in, in one sense if you want to watch it and want to know nothing about the story. For many people, they, did, they knew part of it. And man, they, they, they tell Melissa's story. You know, Melissa was uh, this girl that Jeremy met at, uh, at, at school. And uh, he's, he was playing, or he was, just, he was at a worship event, and he saw this girl standing there just worshiping the Lord. And he's like, man, I love that person because she, she truly loves the Lord. He wanted to get to know her, and she's like, well, I don't want to date you because, you know, I don't want anything to get in the way of what God wants for my life. And yet they became friends, and, and through their friendship, realizing she, she realized and found out she had cancer. And, uh, man, it was to be just, you know, young, 20, with cancer, Walking through that journey, they uh, were going for surgeries and, and, and uh, treatments. And, and uh, throughout this time, you know, they, had, they uh, had decided to see each other. And so Jeremy was at the hospital with her where she was just about to go in for surgery. And they, they redid this scan uh, for these tumors and they came back and the tumors were gone. And Jeremy at his concerts had been asking everybody, hey, would you pray, would you pray for my, my, my girlfriend? My, would you pray for my fiance? He said, would you pray for her? And they would pray for her, for, believe God for healing. And, and sure enough, these tumors were gone. And man, she's like, oh, Jeremy, I just want to worship the Lord right now. Shortly after that, they actually got married. And it was as they came home from their honeymoon, she realized she wasn't feeling too well. Went back to the doctor and the diagnosis was worse. Somehow that cancer was back, but now it was everywhere. There was no treatment. There was no hope. And she got that news. She said, Jeremy... I just want to worship God right now. I, I don't want my eyes on this. I want my eyes on him. They pulled out his guitar and said, this was, the th- this was one of the themes of her life. You know what? I just want to worship God right now because he's bigger. Goes on to say that Jeremy was like, man, we're going to keep praying at our concerts. We're going to, you know, he's like, I promise God is going to heal you. I promise you're going to be healed. And she stops him and says these words, Jeremy, stop promising things that you can't keep. Stop making promises that you can't keep. She, she went on to say this. She said, if just one life comes to know Jesus through my cancer, it will all be worth it. It's like, I, Jer- I'm not focused on this and you shouldn't be either. Because if just one life can come to know Jesus as a result of this, then it's all worth it. If he heals me, great. But that's, this is not the thing. Well, it was just a few months later that she went to meet Jesus. A couple weeks later, Jeremy wrote the words of the song. I still believe in your faithfulness. I still believe in your truth. I still believe in your holy word, even though he had just lost his wife 
He says, even when I don't see, I still believe. Because he knew even when he, she could see and she would believe. And that story so affected her. Two years later, he began to sing again. He began to share her story in the hope that one person might come closer to Jesus as a result. And sure enough, one after another after another would come and say, Jeremy, her story, her story of eyes on Jesus, her story of enduring faith has inspired me and brought me closer to Christ. Now with the movie going out, it's millions of people. Something, that, something word spoken 20 years ago and still changing the world today because one person decided, he's bigger. He's bigger. I will keep my eyes on him. Man, how, how often have we put him in the box and allowed the, these little boxes instead to take all of our focus? You know, what an incredible hero of faith. Sometimes we think the heroes of faith are the ones who get all their prayers answered. Those aren't the heroes. You know, the heroes are the ones that in spite of everything else around, keep their eyes on God knowing he's bigger. And so what about you and what about me this morning? Because it isn't just, oh, let's go hear something. But man, we really think about something this morning. Can you see the incredible greatness in God, of God in your life right now? Are your eyes focused on the incredible greatness of God, who we described earlier, the one who holds us, the one who holds this? Are you focused on him this morning or has something else gotten in the way of that, whatever it may be? You know, there's a show back in the day called Extreme Home Makeover where they could hide fully brand new houses behind a bus. <laughs> and they would have the family stand there to see their brand new house. And then they would always shout out this one thing at the beginning. At the end, they would say, you know, to, to everyone, they would say, what? Move that bus. My challenge for all of us is this thought this morning. Whatever that box may be in front of your eyes right now, that you would just shout, move that box. Let me see the greatness of God. Regardless of what happens to this, my eyes will remain on him. And for you here this morning or watching online, if you don't know him, if you've listened into this and you've heard about this amazing, incredible God who allegedly cares about you and knows your name, you're like, I don't know, I, there seems to be this distance. Can I tell you, there's only one thing that keeps us from knowing him. And it's this thing called sin. And it's not sin like, oh man, I stepped on the cat and I cursed this morning. Oh, you know, that, that's the one sin. It's not that. It's this idea that we are busted up inside by sin. That we know what's right, and yet we still have this penchant to do what's wrong. There's something broken in there. And the God who created all the universe cares enough about us to love us enough to say, I'm not just going to wipe them out, but I'm going to come and, and give my life for them because that's what it's going to cost for them to be able to truly know me, to know me. Today, if you're here, it just simply says on our part of saying, God, <laughs> I believe that what you did for me, I believe that you're inviting me to follow you. Yeah, God, help me to know you and help me to trust. And he does the rest. This morning, if you're a Jesus follower here, my prayer for us is, oh Lord, would you open our eyes that we might see. Open our eyes because your life story, your story is different than every other one we talked about this morning. You know it. We may not. No one else may know it, but you do. And are you focused on this? Or God, would you open my eyes to help me see what's, what's bigger, what's greater? Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. I just honestly believe that you're doing in us right now what you desire to, God, that our eyes would be open, that we would see, that we begin to see just how great, how powerful, how amazing you are. Lord, my prayer for myself and for others in this room, for those listening online today and whenever, is that you would open our eyes that we might see that we might see 
that our faith would endure, that we would run this race as you desire us to, that others would see your goodness as a result. I pray that people would come to know you today simply because of this. Lord, I thank you that nothing is impossible. It truly isn't. We focus on that. We focus on you as we live out the rest of this day for you and with you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. It's truly, truly amazing. You deserve all the honor and praise we could ever bring for every second of every day for that sacrifice. I'm grateful. In your name I pray, amen.